we are in this state where things are really bad and we're now in this really interesting phase where over the last three to four days the initiatives that I've seen triggered are, are like remarkable just have just blown me away that groups of people can mobilize so quickly. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. As we adapt and evolve to the restricted lifestyle due to the COVID-19 pandemic, we're going to bring you the stories of uh, many in the industry that are affected by it. Uh, As a full shutdown looms, there is a very real possibility of food scarcity. Most Australians have never felt what it's like to go without food. So just imagine the impact on those below the poverty line that feel this way every single day. If the full lockdown arrives, as predicted, you know, what are the implications and are we ready for it? Jared Ingersoll is a chef many of you will know from Dank Street Depot, a venue that started the sort of new wave of elevated everyday eats. What you might not know about Jared is that he's a super nerd. He spent the last decade consulting to large firms, analyzing data and forecasting expected outcomes for food service operations. Now working with Australia's largest tech startup, Canva, he's been working around the clock to understand the current issues in regards to food. What he's proposing may not only ensure people have access to food, it may well throw a lifeline to the hospitality sector too. Jared Ingersoll, you've been working pretty hard on this and we've been in touch over the last week and I've sort of been following your steps a little bit. Can you paint a picture of the current situation? you know, and and some identify some of the key problems we're facing right now. Uh, yeah, um, and and it's one of those ones that, um, like, it's pretty tough at the moment. And I'm not using these words lightly. Um, and probably to put further context, is if we go back a few months and have a look at the condition of the industry, then we're already sort of saying that was one of the first times that labour bills had tipped the sort of fifty percent mark. Um, even though a lot of the occupation costs had sort of been fairly stagnant, um, there was, you know, wage costs and food costs were crushing people. Um, and there was also the, uh, there was a survey that um, the Restaurant Catering Association did, and there was a couple of questions in there which I thought were really sort of insightful to how we operate as an industry anyway, and that is that out of all the operators they asked, and from memory there was like 700 or something, 60% of them believed that sales were going to increase and 52% of them believed that profits were going to increase. So there was this sense of the reality was really, really tough and there was a sense of optimism that, you know, Christmas is going to come around, things are going to surge, we're going to, we'll, we'll be okay because that's the way we, we operate. We're, we're hospitality operators and small businesses. We then saw um, bushfires and then um, – and then other natural disasters like in Sydney where there big chunks of the food bowl were affected with um, flooding. And then we started to see businesses severely impacted. Um, all your outdoor venues were no longer able to operate with the smoke um, that was impacting business. Um, there was no real Christmas trade, so that traditional stimulus of cash that comes in um, over summer that sort of gets bigger around Christmas. It, it didn't happen. And a lot of people were sort of edging their bets on that. And then I think everybody, like myself, 
was just looking at the industry and also looking at um, what was happening um, in China with the COVID outbreak. And there was sort of, it was kind of this thing that was, it was almost like, well, it's probably, it may not happen. And then as things escalated, anxieties increased, and now we found ourselves um, in a situation where <clears throat> on many levels, um, I would say that the hospitality has taken probably the biggest hit that we could ever imagine in, in a period of, like, you know, a little more than a couple of weeks. And I don't want to make doom and gloom, but I just want to touch on on some of the extent that I think that – um to just sort of communicate the severity of it. Um, and this is probably not stuff that people um, – this is stuff that people probably already know, but um, there's a, a guy that I work with. His name is Jesse uh, Stewart, and he's, he's an amazing analyst. Um, and he looked at a bunch of stuff, a bunch of different data sources going back sort of 17, 18, 18, 19 years to sort of get like a, an idea of how the industry was tracking to then – try to figure out and sort of assess what the impacts of COVID um, have at a granular level. So when we looked at Greater Sydney, and we're only looking at Sydney 8 because we're here, but to give context to it, because looking at all of Australia is, is a big problem. So looking at Greater Sydney, we saw that there's roughly about 25,000 people unemployed, and that's sort of around $98 million um, a month in salaries gone. Right. And this is in just hospitality. This is hospitality, and this is everything from um, your almond latte joints in eastern suburbs to your fish and chip place in Cabramatta. So this is kind of a very sort of broad, overarching view. When we look at the Sydney LGA, um, you've got a, a, an industry that is heavily reliant on um, on people outside the city who come into work to then work in the city and to spend their money in the city. You get a lot of domestic and international tourists, a lot of day trippers. Um, there is a population in the Sydney LGA, um, and that population that live in that area, they earn a bit more money and they're more likely to go out. So when we looked at the numbers, we sort of went, well, okay, well, the lockdowns come into place. We know that there are people that are working and living in the city still. So what with their discretionary spend, we start to see that you know, the impacts to the food and beverage industry is that 82% of the industry is now unsustainable. And, and that means that every single one of those business, businesses is in a huge amount of stress and duress yep. and, and needs to um, get support. Now, the other thing that we saw is that we looked at the numbers that there's a little bit of an undersupply currently in suburbs. So suburban food and beverage outlets, all of a sudden, everybody's in their suburbs and purchasing locally. So it was that thing of like, was trying to sort of map out the um, the areas of greatest vulnerability and the greatest and areas of oversupply and an effort to try to see if there's ways of connecting these two things. So what we've got at the moment is a lot of outlets in the CBD where not a lot of people are and a lot of people in the suburbs where there aren't possibly enough outlets to source food from. Yeah, you can you can take that view, but then there's also the conversation that all the outlets that are in the suburbs are going to get busier, and um, and we haven't really been able to sort of nail that one down yet. So, is it a simple case of picking up restaurants in the city and dropping them in the suburbs? I don't think so. 
Um, but what it does start to do is that then we're trying to get to a place where we can inform council and um, who can then hopefully manage up to state and federal level the sort of decisions that on, on how stimulates should be landing. And the, you know, I've got a, a bias on my political view, but I would um, so I'm not going to say what I think of the government. <laughs> but what I will say is that they've done some things that are, are really helpful. Um, they've given the um, there's a few initiatives which have gone out to keep people employed. But what I'm starting to see is that the cracks are widening. The people that are falling through the cracks are your temporary work visa people. Um, people like myself and this guy Jesse that I'm working on these numbers, like we're Kiwis, like we may not be eligible for support. Um, and then started to look at the, the, I think back in all the, the kitchen hands who were, you know, the cash and hand workers, like my son works in a, cafe washing dishes, gets a little bit of money, cash in hand, that's gone. So there's a lot of people that we, uh, that we, that we don't see that are going to that, – that, that there's no sort of safety mechanism for them. Um, so the hospitality industry as a sector is – there's work being done at local and state level to try and get some stimulus and support. Um, the council's – launched a bunch of really good initiatives around rental abatements and um, and potential direct funding and changing licensing. Um, but the, the, the labour force that is falling through the cracks are all these people that are not eligible. Um, and the other group that is um, hugely affected that I'm only really sort of starting to get an understanding of is the local growers, um, you know, the, the small yeah. suppliers, the, the bakers, um, I was ch chatting to a significant baker yesterday and their production's down 10%. Um, I received a text message from someone out at Shed D who was in, incredibly distressed because there are no, she can't buy her produce from Shed D. Was the, far, the growers have stopped coming in and those growers, um, some of them have been trying to move their pr produce that was normally going to cafes and small businesses. It's, it's going to waste and it's rotting and yeah. I've heard stories of um, farmers setting up uh, roadside market stalls to try and move their produce, but they've been closed down because they weren't compliant. And so, amongst all this doom and gloom, like it's pretty, it's pretty fucking desperate. And yeah. one of the things that I have gone through in recent memory is I've sh I I had to close my businesses a few years ago because I, I couldn't sustain them, and I knew the emotional toll that that took on me. And so when you look at all these businesses and then you extrapolate that pain out, like it's, there's, there's, a, there's a huge amount of um, stress and pain that people are going through. And so when I look at that, I'm also looking at what people are doing and then this is sort of the stuff that I want to maybe chat a bit more about because I don't want to dwell on the negative because we're there, um, but I think it's really important to have a look at it and just go, and go fuck. This is it. This is the situation. So there's absolutely no doubt that this is, you know, the toughest of times for so many Australians and obviously industry as well. And you've been touching on so many touch points in regards to that and all the people affected. You know, what, what's, what's some of the optimism? What's some of the opportunities um, out there that we have uh, to, to get things back on, back on track? Um. So it's a really interesting 
time because acknowledging all the hardship and the bleakness and the doom and gloom is a really important thing to sort of accept because then you're actually able to look at um, from this position what are the things that are working and where are the gaps and where are the opportunities. And some of the stuff that I've seen, not only is the hospitality industry coming together at that very human level, like we always do, um, and, and it's really important to remember that we are a community. We're not just an industry that employs you know, over 900,000 people. We are actually a community, and we're a community that always steps in to help whenever we can. And so you, you're starting to see these clusters of groups and organisations starting to form um, different apps and platforms and Facebook communities launching where um, uh, some real sort of grassroots solutions are being sort of nutted out. Yeah. One of the big ones, and it's also one of the big concerns that I've had um, for a number of years, but it's really coming to light now, is the, the control that the supermarkets have on our supply chains. Um, I've been privy to some very uncomfortable information in the last sort of 24, 48 hours um, about the vulnerability of those supply networks, but also the way that they operate. It's, it's, it's really causing a massive blockage and there's massive food waste and insecurity because of their, this monopoly type arrangement. So the greatest opportunity that I see, which would be the most beneficial to um, guaranteeing food security and to making sure that um, Shed D is full of produce and that farmers are operating and fishermen and oyster growers, all these people are supported, is that we rethink about the way that we're distributing our food out of our, food, out of our businesses. By businesses, you're talking about restaurants and cafes. You're talking about the food service sector. I'm talking about the food service sector. The reality is if you had a restaurant in the CBD, you are no longer a restaurant. It's just fact. You're a, you're, at best, you're a takeaway business. Could you be a production facility? Do you have capacity to distribute food to people in lockdown environments in hotels? Um, do you have capacity to... Um, reach out to organizations uh, or charity groups and say, I can cook an extra 25 meals, um, but to cook those 25 meals, I need X amount of dollars. Then go to the council and go, hey, I need money to food people. Um, Oz Harvest has just received um, a, a million dollars and the Canva kitchens are opening up to further support this growing need of supplying food to people um, who don't have access to food like they used to. Um, and can you work with your grower or your farmer or your, like oysters, man, who's going to buy oysters? The supermarkets aren't going to buy them. If you know, if, like, you know, it's, there's, there are all these different things where the greatest opportunity that I see is that we remind the community at large and ourselves that we are an essential service. We must maintain. We ha the kitchens need to cook. People need food. Um, currently around Sydney, the local growers that would normally supply the, the small cafes and stuff, they're, they're throwing food away. Um, you've got like um, Coles over in the North Shore had to shut down because one of their employees um, was locked out, you know, they contracted COVID. Yet the fruit and veg shops nearby have got product on their shelves. The butchers have got meat. The wine merchants have got wine. Like this, if there was one thing that I could do that I honestly believe in my heart that would fundamentally change our food system in Australia, it would be 
Stop relying on the supermarkets. Stop relying on the big guys. That it's 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 in no one's interest. Um, go to your local business. Support your local cafe. Go buy your produce from the fruit and veg guy. It is absolutely crucial. And the role that um, food and beverage outlets, like your, your restaurants and your cafes, like we aren't what we are. Like we, you're no longer a restaurant. And it doesn't mean that you don't have capacity. Uh, and, and this is the thing that I think that we sometimes think. Like we're not talking about two hats, three hats. This that, that shit on pause for a while. We're talking about do, are you able to cook food in a controlled environment that ensures safety and distribution of meals? If so, do you have the, the capacity to employ shadow teams? So, and what that means is that if you are cooking in your kitchen and somebody does come down with COVID and you need to quarantine that team, the second shift, they have no contact with that first shift. So you need to re we need to really rethink um, our role in, in COVID. Um, and the other thing that hospitality doesn't do very well is we don't speak with a single voice. We've got the Restaurant and Catering Association, which is our authority. You've got the Australian Hotel Association, and those organisations do represent a chunk of the sector, but they don't recognise the coffee carts, the, the, and they don't speak with, you know, generally if you're the, the bigger the business, the louder your voice. Um, and I think this is a real opportunity for um, suburbs of cafes to get together and go, let's talk about what Canterbury, the suburb that I live in, what we can do because if I have to shut my cafe because somebody gets sick, can you perhaps, you know, take this person that's my normal employee or my egg supplier's eggs? Um, and, and I think that the biggest challenge is that we need to – change our focus from I'm in business to try and get by and it's a competitive market and just accept the fact that everybody has just taken the biggest hit we'll probably ever take. What can I do to help the next guy get through? Because if the other guy's thinking the same, then we will get through this period of hurt and then more specific stimulus is going to land. Um, then we can get into the space of starting to talk about getting rid of fringe benefits tax. Like, what? that's got to go. Um, is there an easement on GST for a period um, once COVID and life goes back? Um, in order to have real power and voice in those discussions, we need to, we really do need to come together in a way that the hospitality industry hasn't done so before. Like, we know how to help mates out, but forming a cohesive voice that delivers um, real advice to people that are going to make um, policy decisions is, is absolutely crucial because at the moment the people that are making the decisions are not experts. They don't know what you are going through. They are taking the view that if we do this, it will have the most amount of impact on the most amount of people and so therefore that's the right thing to do. It's not helping the produce that's rotting in shed day. It's um, it's you know, it's such a strange time, man. <laughs> it is, isn't it? Like it's just, it's it's almost impossible to get your head around. You know, I mean, the the initiatives that you're talking about here, you know, are amazing. But ha so how can how can government help? How can industries that have funds at the moment? How can they help create 
and uh, let these little mini sort of food hubs that you're talking about blossom? Like what, how can they get involved to, to, to give it a nudge along? Because, you know, like there's only so much people can support their only local just at this moment. Yep. And, and, and it is, it's a really interesting problem because um, if I take the view of one that large corporations and big companies, um, I, I wouldn't, it's almost like, like if we were to ask Woolworths and Coles, um, what, you know, help us out, we need help. What they would say is um, don't use any other online delivery platform apart from Woolworths and Coles and you can only buy from us. Um, we, their practices are not particularly um, helpful or fruitful and will not really benefit anybody. Like I saw, I think I haven't actually checked to see if there's a fact or not, but McDonald's is now selling um, milk and toilet paper. What the fuck is going on there? Like McDonald's yeah. is now supplying basic <laughs> needs. Like it's just like yeah. what? Um, so if you are your bid vests and your simplots, uh, well, I need your... some toilet roll actually, and I can't get it anywhere. So I might have to go through to <laughs> McDonald's for the first time in a while. <laughs> it's it's kind of this. It, it's almost like um, this weird things happen where. Um, the things that are becoming the most cherished are the things that are the worst for us. Like, let's, like, Aggie, my partner, made a comment when we were going to the supermarket and she, and she was looking at all the stuff that was missing off the shelves. And it was just like, man, Australians in crisis are just really bad campers. Yeah. <laughs> 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 so what are you buying? Like why are you buying all that? There's all this beautiful fresh produce and everybody's, you know, going toe to toe over a bag of pasta. It's like, no, chill <laughs> the fuck out. <laughs> and, totally. um, and 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 so it's that thing of like so um how to distill it down to create the solution that's gonna fix everything now. I mean the easy one is just like if we were to remember our high street um operations. And what I mean by that is um, your local deli, your local restaurant, like, you know, Market Red Ladson is literally outside the front of his place dancing with the dummy with, you know, takeaway containers. Um, and when I say dummy, it's actually like a, a mannequin, not like someone he doesn't think highly of. But he's out there, sort of, you know. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. he's, he's, this is, he's, he's a very, um, he's a beautiful man and he's a great chef. And, and if, um, uh, and, and he's one that I looked at and went, you know what? You're not letting humility slow you. You're not letting um, uh, you. You know what needs to be done. You need to keep your chefs employed and keep food on their tables as well as yours. You need to maintain your industry. <laughs> you know, and and I know that everybody's jumping on how to turn their restaurants and their cafes into takeaway businesses, and and we're we're there. So we've done the first step. But at the same time, um, there really does need to be this sense of um, if you buy, buy from me, but buy from them. Like, don't think about it as in I am really protective of my my customers. Um, when you're selling them a curry, talk about your fruit and veg shop. Um, yeah. Because I think that if I look at it in a bit more of a philosophical view and we look at the fact that McDonald's is now selling essentials, and supermarkets are doing what they do best, which is not pretty. What we, if we don't support ourselves and the high, sh high street shops and the bakeries, is that we're always going to have tins of beans. We're always going to have um, shitty white soft bread. But what would it look like if we didn't have, um, you know, restaurants that 
make handmade pasta. Um, butchers that will cut a piece of meat to your specs. Um, you know, the local Polish bakery up the road that makes these beautiful semolina loaves that are not really commercially viable on scale, but are delicious. Like, you know, so I think we need to um, come together and band together and understand that it's not about, don't, it, you know, we're all in this together. And when I look at it in that philosophical view, and sometimes when I'm talking to different people and I've been chatting to, you know, councils and businesses and tech giants and all that sort of stuff, but what I've recognised is that the people that are sort of proactive and really out there um, all have this sort of sense of optimism as well. And there's also this sense of mania at the moment, like, like where the, the anxiety is jacked. I know I'm bouncing between highly anxious and scared, you know, frequently. Yeah, but that's normal for you though, right? <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. good. Yeah, man, that's how I sleep. <laughs> <laughs> but then the, but the way that a lot of people do it, manage their anxieties is they, they, they need to contribute. They need to do something. And one of the ways that we can do something is that we can cook food. Um, like if, if we're cooking food, like I'm just talking about the average punter at home, I know everybody's cooking more meals at home than what they used to, which does put restaurant pressure on restaurants and cafes. But um, there was a guy up in, I think it might have been Byron, um, a restaurant. He said, you know, times are tough. If you end up with a piece of meat that you haven't seen before, um, you know, tell me what that cut is and I'll just do a quick video and show you how to cook it. And it's like, fuck, that's, that, that's a really beautiful thing. Like you're empowering your customers. Um, yeah. Sure, there's no tangible benefit to you right now, but they'll remember you. Not only that, but you're also adding value to how they perceive you. You're no longer the place where I just go get a schnitty and a burger. It's like, wow, you, you are an expert in your field. Um, you're valuable. I, I, I want to make sure that I, I keep you going. Um, and when you sell something to somebody, make sure they're buying from somebody else too. I think that's something that we a, a shift that we need to make. And then the really practical stuff is that um, don't be – and I know it's really hard when you're a small business person, you struggle to survive and stuff, but fucking ping council. The conversations that I've heard about, the initiatives that have come from a publican trying to reach out to someone at the city of Sydney going, I've got this idea, it's probably silly. And the city of Sydney going, dude, dope. We're going to change zoning restrictions. Done. Sorted. Does that help right. you? Yes, it does. Brilliant. So there are um, – the, the, if, if I was to sort of try to distill it down, is that it feels hopeless and it feels like a crisis. Um, it is a crisis, but it's, it's not hopeless. There, there are ways of you – know, I think that we're looking for the solution that's going to make it all go away. It doesn't exist. It's, um, you know, that, that's a, a reality that I think we all probably know. Um, and the answer is going to come from the guy next to you. If you don't have the answer now, like, um, yeah. Does that make sense or have I just gone all weird and philosophical? Uh, you have, but that's, what, <laughs> that's why I've got you here, mate. That's, that's what we love about you. <laughs> hey, listen, Jared. I'm, I'm pretty sure that we're going to talk again along this journey because you've got a lot of good things to say and um, a lot of good ideas. Um, 
Really appreciate catching up, mate. And um, in, and really appreciate you sharing your pretty honest, as brutal as it is, um, sort of views and perspectives. And, um, mate, keep safe. I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, and, and also, Hux, um, I just wanted just a, a call out to you because um, as an example of people stepping up to the challenge rather than shrinking from it, you bringing together the, the, um, the industry the way that you are with these podcasts is – it's beautiful and, and to be celebrated and I'm, and I'm proud of you. Well done. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we share the stories of Australia's hospo community, suppliers and producers in search of hope during this pandemic. A special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Stay safe, isolate and be well.